or an existing home is one of your most important assets. Yet too many people rely on sites, shows, and tips from people who are not in the real estate business when making important decisions. It's time to get real and trust a professional. This is Real Real Estate Today with host Deb Tomorrow. In this series, you'll learn about making smart decisions when it comes to buying a home, selling a home, or even staying in the home you're in. Now, here is your host, Realtor Deb Tomorrow. Hey, hi. Welcome. <laughs> I know what was going on there. You know, this is Deb Tomorrow uh, with Real Real Estate Today. If you've never listened to the show, welcome and you're warned, I guess is what I should say. So sitting here with me on our show, uh, as always, is the lovely Miss Karen Rastel, who is the best damn lender in the state of Indiana. And so she helps provide a, a loan perspective when we talk about loan things and just a different real estate perspective. So hi, Karen. Hello. We're also joined by Rachel, best damn associate producer in the state of Indiana. And uh, what do we say? She has the voice of an angel and the mouth of a sailor, so we don't let her on air. The problem is, and the reason I was laughing when we came on air today, what did I say? You said a voice of an angel. <laughs> face of an, face of an angel. <laughs> but the voice of a sailor. But I think that's the right. That's, face of an angel. Yes, but that's not what you said. Oh, voice of an angel. Mouth of a sailor. That could be it. I've never heard you sing. So you might have the voice. Uh, right. Okay. Anyways, I'm all distracted because right before the show, we start chit-chatting and it gets a little out of hand sometimes. And I'm not going to talk about the things that we were talking about before the show, but I have still have the giggles a little bit. I have that horror. One of the things when I'm depressed and down mm-hmm. is I go onto YouTube and I watch bloopers. Yes, you need to have your own blooper show one day. Like, have we had bloopers? I think they're all just like legit. <laughs> <laughs> like the time two two weeks ago when the engineer says, you're, you're still alive. And I'm like, I don't care. Yep. I'm being authentic. Uh, so, I, yeah, I don't think that I really had any. I think if you were in here watching like on video, you would see some bloopers. Yes. But we're super smooth on air, right? Okay. No one would sure. ever know. Sure. But you keep telling yourself that. But Deb. there are some times that things are a complete train wreck and we just call it authenticity and we move on our way. So we usually are here to talk about real estate. And that is what we're going to talk about today. I think we're going to talk about a couple of things. Um, the main one being, how do you know what to offer when you find the house of your dreams and you want to make an offer on it? Um, but before that, you know, we usually do a little chit-chatting and I got to fill you in on what the latest and greatest is with HGTV. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you saw this. Rachel posted it um, on Facebook last week that Chip and Joanna, did you see this? I did see that. Chip and Joanna Gaines, our favorite fixer-upper, they're opening a restaurant in Waco, Texas. Of course, everything's in Waco. With those people, I swear they need to resurrect us statues to those people for what they've done for the tourism of Waco. I want to look up those numbers. I, they've got somebody has to have done the research. Uh, sure. Like tourism before Chip and Joanna and tourism after. There's someone here locally that was just in Waco. Christy Te- was just there last oh, was she? a couple of weeks ago and okay. she posted some pictures. I need to uh, see if but my I other friend put, put yeah. some of her pictures up. But so did they she were, purposely go to Waco? Uh, no, well purposely yes, but she was down there for other reasons. Okay, and they did was, make it a trip to go and see the silos yeah my friend Christy I think was in Dallas visiting family and they made it a trip down there too I think her comment was it was really cool I kind of wish the kids weren't with us because I'm not (laughs) so sure Colin's like four or five you know probably not a big thing for him but um so I wanted to share a little bit of information about their restaurant now it's not going to be done until probably the end of the year is what they're thinking so I'm going to put off my trip to Waco until 
next year. Unless I happen to go, this is really bad. My parents live in Texas, so I should really go to Texas more often. But I haven't, and I don't know how far Houston is from Waco. I have to Google that. Um, but anyways, uh, I so I read her blog post, and it just oozes Joanna. And I just, I don't know how I feel about it. Like, sometimes I love her, and sometimes I'm like, oh. Okay, read. Read what we're here. Too perfect, you know? So she says, Chip and I hope you are enjoying your summer and getting some good downtime with family and friends. We wanted to write to catch you up on one of our biggest projects of the summer, getting our restaurant across the finish line. Opening a breakfast joint has been always been something that Chip's been interested in, and it's been so fun to watch how excited he has been about the entire process. Blah, 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 blah. Is that your Joanna voice? That's my Joanna. No, that's my, like, I'm, I'm not as negative and nasty oh, as okay. I really am in real life. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is my I'm nice voice. Mm. Okay. Um, but anyways, they purchased in, two, in 2016, they purchased a place called the Old Elite Cafe, which has been a Waco icon for nearly 100 years. Um, and they have great family memories of Sunday brunches at Elite. Uh, so that's what they're going to try to recreate uh, is brunches, brunch, breakfast, brunch, and lunch. So apparently on the lunch menu will be chips, uh, famous ham sandwiches. I don't know what um, makes them famous, but it says it there. His famous ham sandwich. I wonder how far away that this restaurant will be from her bakery that she just. I don't know. At, you know. I don't know how big Waco is. I don't even know what the population is. We need to do some Waco research. We should. So that we can. Because in my mind, be. it's small, and I feel like maybe. I mean, it's small-ish. I don't know that it's as small as we are. Hundred thirty thousand. Hmm. So 130,000 population. Thank you, Rachel. On the ball. Um, so Bloomington, where we live, Bloomington, Indiana. I was just going to say maybe that's like we're the like, population of IU, of the nah, university. We're like 80, and then with students in town, we're another 60. So, yeah, it could be about us us in the fall, not us in the summertime when it's nice and quiet. But anyways, so Chip and, Chip and jo- Joanne says, Chip and I truly can't wait to share this place with y'all. We will occasionally share some of the updates on social media, so keep a lookout for pictures of the progress, y'all. God bless her. I know she has good intentions, so I love her, but she makes me feel a little insecure about myself. <laughs> I know. I have you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, I do. I love her hair. She's got, like, the mm. best hair. Sorry. She does. Yep. Yep. Okay, so anyways, that's the latest Chip and Joanna um, update. I also wanted to update you on, I'm still on my cleaning rampage. Oh. I talked last week a little bit about it, and yeah. we talked about there were a, l- a list of 50 things you should throw out. Um, so I'm hoping my rampage continues. I worked on my office a bit last week and really came to terms with some things and threw things away. Yuris is still like, ah, why are the garbage cans all so full? <laughs> <laughs> but I question, I ha- this is my question, how is... Throwing something away that you haven't looked at in 10 years, why does that still make you sad? Why does that make, you know? I don't know. I think you come across Ooh. that certain point, reference point, whatever yeah. that is, and you think, gosh, it's been 10 years. Right. Like, I might as well just keep it for eternity now. Oh. You know what I mean? Well, I kept the yearbooks. I kept, these are the things I kept. I kept my yearbooks. I kept um, my first Mickey Mouse ear hat that I got when I was like five at Disneyland with my name embroidered on it and a little pink ribbon on top. Uh, It's pretty worn. I kept um, this really horrible leather vest thing that I made when I was in Indian princesses when I was like six. And I kept a little quilted thing my grandmother made. This is really sweet. 
it was a picture I drew when I was like five. And then my grandmother turned it into a little like wall hanging quilt. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. So I kept those, um, but I threw everything else away. So you didn't keep your rainbow trapper keeper? I do not have my rainbow trapper keeper as mm, you do. Yeah. Uh, I threw out. And now I need to go back because some of it's still sitting like ready to like go. Some of it got thrown away. Some of it is going on the burn pile. So I found this amazing list that we're going to post. And it's a little bit, I think it was from like 2014 or something. But I've Googled a few of the organizations on this list and they're still valid. So um, we're going to post this. I encourage you just to kind of look into it a little bit more. But where to donate stuff. It's 101 places your clutter can do good. And I was reading over this list again right before the show. And I just keep seeing things. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I never knew. I didn't. I well, It's like really, really cool. So, you know, we all know about Goodwill and Salvation Army for general right. goods. Right. And certainly there are a lot of local thrift shops as well. But there are... I mean, all kinds here. I'm just going to give you like a sampling of some of the things. And, and the reason I'm talking about decluttering on a real estate show is you're going to have to do it someday. So start now because I have had in the past, gosh, I don't know, three weeks, probably five listings that we were getting ready to have the photographer come out. And then they go, oh, nope, I'm not ready yet. And some of them have been working on it for three months and they're still not ready. Wow. And I'm just saying start working on it now because someday you're going to sell that house. You're just not going to have it forever or your family's not going to have it forever. So uh, Friends of Pine Ridge Reservation, they provide needed items to poverty-stricken Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota, so Native American Reservation. They need uh, sewing or uh, sewing crafts, sporting, baby, office supplies, toiletries, I mean, all kinds of stuff. So that's a great organization. There's also Operation Give, which brings hope and solutions to the deprived and disconnected people of the world, in many cases where the U.S. military operates. So toys and school supplies and sports equipment and things like that. It says FedEx provides free shipping from anywhere in the U.S. to their warehouse. Well, that's awesome. So that's kind of cool. Um, Dress for Success is a big one there in 75 cities worldwide. I know locally we've got, you know, my sister's closet that I love that does a lot of um, helping people get dressed for entering the workforce. Um, Souls for Souls, that distributes shoes to people in need in over 125 countries. And that may just motivate me to go through my shoe collection. All types of um, new and gently worn shoes, athletic running sandals, pumps, heels even, because, you know, people everywhere work. Um, Okay, here was my big aha moment, and that was Indigo Rescue. They assist county animal shelters and rehabilitate pets and place them in adoptive homes, right? So what do you think they need? Towels and, you know, things that animal shelters need, right? No. No? Jewelry. Okay. Because they turn around and they sell the jewelry in order to raise money. Brilliant, no? Yes. So then there's another one called the Animal Guardian Network, and they do the same rescue and place homeless pets uh, with loving families, assist low-income seniors and financially disadvantaged individuals with their pet care. They are looking for gently used designer handbags that they sell in what they call their rebag boutique. Isn't that great? I do. I love that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I just like never knew. Uh, Project Night Night, it reduces the trauma of homeless children with night night packages of childhood comforts. So, you know, you're looking somebody, what inspired this post was there was, I saw a local blog from um, a, a woman that was doing some clean out and she was talking about 
um, where she was giving everything. And she said, anyone know what I can do with four bags of stuffed animals? Mm. Boom. Project Night Night. They need stuffed animals, blankets, and children's books. Uh, Also, safe stuffed animals for emergencies. They collect items to give to children in emotional, traumatic, and stressful situations like fires, illness, homelessness, etc. And they're looking for new and gently used stuffed animals. We probably have at least 10 or 15 Motivate yourself to clean up. Um, World Computer Exchange provides used computers and technology to schools, libraries, community centers, all in developing countries. Obviously, they can use uh, computer technology. Uh, Let's see. What else? Global Literacy Project. I thought this one was interesting. There's a lot for books. I know we have a local book sale here that um, benefits the Hoosier Hills Food Bank. Um, But some other opportunities. Global Literacy Project to foster community-based literally literacy initiatives around the world uh, and they're looking especially for pre-k to 12th grade um, reading books so and then better world books um, sells the books to help fund literacy programs worldwide so that's another organization Um, and then there were some interesting ones too like discs for dogs they sell used dvds and cds and donate the proceeds to the spca So DVDs and CDs. Uh, And then there's another one called Musicians on Call that provide hospitals with complete CD libraries and players uh, for patient use. So um, old CD players, you know, that nobody uses anymore um, or newer, gently used CDs. Uh, So tons and tons and tons of stuff, especially if you've got craft stuff, too. There's tons of places that you can donate um, crafts. You can donate uh, used yarn uh, or not used yarn, but unused yarn. Leftover yarn, those knitting projects you never started. Oh, I have to say this one. Mr. Holland's Opus Foundation. You remember that movie? I love that movie, Mr. Holland's Opus. Um, Keep music alive in our schools and communities by donating musical instruments to underfunded music programs. Um, They're looking for gently used uh, band and orchestra instruments. And also Marching Mountains, which does the same thing in distressed counties in Appalachia. Um, So, so many, I mean, 101 organizations. We'll post that up there. But, um, you know, clean up and clean out and get yourself ready for the future. And it's really liberating, I swear. And you can do some real good for some other people. So. There's our inspirational moment for the day. I love it. I'm going to print it off and stick it on my husband's nightstand. Yeah. Because he's got that entire side. Uh, Everything over there can be donated, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And maybe it's tax write-off. You can tell them to it. All right. We are going to uh, talk about, uh, oh, we're going to bash Zillow a little bit when we come back. And then we're going to talk about how much do you make and how much do you offer when you find your dream home. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Are you finding your frequency? 
It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. Thank you for coming back. Please make sure you're following us on Facebook, Deb Tomorrow Realtor. Uh, if you want that amazing list of 101 places that you can donate uh, for a good cause, um, then uh, that will be where you can find it, as long, a lot, along hi, with a lot of other links that have to do with our show today. So uh, I wanted to talk, because something came up this morning, um, with a client, and so I wanted to throw this in here, so we're going to digress from our regular topic here for a minute, because this is something I know we've talked about before, um, and I know that I talk about it almost on a weekly basis with buyers. I don't know, if Karen, if anyone ever asks you, comes into your office about mortgages and says, well, I saw this foreclosure on Zillow. She takes a deep breath. I'm just, you know, I'm breathing. Yeah. No, but I did have someone ask me the other day if is there if there was a secret list. Of oh, things, the secret list. Yeah, of yes. you know of houses that are about to come on the market. And yeah. I, I just said no. So you'll <laughs> see whether it's I say I'm bashing Zillow, but it you know Zillow does this. A lot of websites mm-hmm. do that, and in fact. I'm kind of embarrassed to admit that I think even the Remax.com website does this, where they list things as pre-foreclosure. And it says it, but people just kind of see the word foreclosure, don't see the pre, or don't understand what it means. And so I get weekly people saying, can I see this house? Can we see this house? And I have to explain to them how it's not really for sale. And they never... I feel like they never believe me. I know that's my internal issue. I probably need to work out with my therapist. But I feel like they don't believe me because it's like, well, it's on the Internet. So how right. it must be for sale, right? Pazillo's showing the for sale by owners and all that kind of good stuff. So what does this mean and why is it not really available for sale? I wanted to share this. Now, what's interesting is that I went to Zillow for my answer because I thought, I wonder if Zillow explains it to um, the world. Okay. And so here's what Zillow says, kind of in the fine print that they don't really make obvious because you have to actually like Google it or search for it, um, that the pre-foreclosure stage can yield some real bargains. Um, but most experts agree that it is the most difficult stage during which to purchase a distressed home. And I've never even heard of that term. 
I've, what? I've never seen the pre pre foreclosure. Yeah, pre-foreclosure yeah, it's term. on there. Uh, so Zillow themselves is telling you this is a pain in the wahoo, and you probably should run the other way. Be aware, this is them continuing on their little disclosure thing. Be aware that a pre-foreclosure property is not necessarily for sale. Well, then Zillow, why the hell are you listing it? If it's not, why don't you call them and find out if it is for sale? And then hook them up with one of your Zillow Premier agents and list the damn house. Instead of confusing people, because that's all you're doing. And, and we'll get into this, but my biggest issue with this is that, sorry, I'm like pointing my pen and Karen's frightened because I'm starting to get a little worked up, you know, is that I feel like with these companies listing these pre-foreclosures, they're kind of embarrassing people. Because it's if you're in a pre-foreclosure, it means you're behind on your payments. So, hey, we're not putting your name out there, but we're putting your address out there that the person who lives at 404 South J Street, whatever, right. is behind on their payments. That, mm, it's just a mean world we live in, and I struggle with that sometimes. So the pre-foreclosure stage, this is Zillow talking, the pre-foreclosure stage is the period between the time in which a notice of default which is uh, the foreclosure has been issued and uh, and the property has sold at the foreclosure auction. So the, the foreclosure notice is issued and then there can be a long period of time when the owner is still in the property. Okay. These homes, the owners are still in the property most of the time. And Zillow and everyone else is putting out there online. I think in Indiana it's almost two years yeah, it takes a another, while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess okay. I heard a guest speaker talk about that. So then Zillow says, uh, here's the process for buying a pre-foreclosure. Look, we're going to help you out. We're, we're Zillow, right? Here are 10 tips to guide you through the search for and purchase of a pre-foreclosure home. Number one, begin the hunt. One of the trickiest aspects to buying during the stage is finding properties. That's because some of these homes are not yet on the market. That's because they're not for sale. But they make it look like they're for sale. Um, And then uh, they say, number two, drive by the property, try and facilitate a casual meeting with the owner or a chatty next door neighbor. Dude, that's stalking. So Zillow's telling you to stalk these people. Mm -hmm. Now you're a creeper. Okay. So number three, get a status update. Um, which means that at any point during this process, the sellers can work it out with the lender, which is really what happens a lot of times. Who do they recommend you get this update from? They say to go to a trustee who filed the paperwork. So check with the courts, go to some sort of trustee. I don't know. I mean, with with a realtor assist somebody in something like this? I mean, we're going to get into why. Okay. Here in a second. Um, and then they're going to go through all this, okay, valuation. So number four, now you need to figure out what the property's worth. And they're telling you to use their Zestimate, God help you. Here's the thing, and none of that has anything to do with what the seller owes on it, which is really the only thing that the seller can sell for. And a lot of these homes are actually, um, the seller owes a lot more than what you know, you might be willing to buy it for because otherwise they probably put it on the market because um, attorney fees are racking up and all kinds of stuff. But the, Zillow says do that. Uh, then they tell you to do some math to figure out what you can owe. And then they tell you to try and reach out to the homeowner. But they say, remember that homeowners facing foreclosure are distressed. So enormous amounts of tact are required. Good advice, Zillow. Now, oh, we're up to step seven. Now they're saying you get to walk through the house. 
if you can get in. Like if you've gotten this far, your next step is to try and get into the house. So now you finally get to see the house after you've done all that work so far. Okay. Uh, and then if you've seen the house, uh, just remember to be considerate of the owner's circumstances. Well, you did that in number six. We have to at number seven, too. Yeah. Okay. So. Number eight, you would negotiate. Uh, number nine, you would put it in writing. And then number 10, you would uh, contact an escrow company and close. Okay. So why wouldn't a realtor want to help you with that process? Because it sounds super fun, doesn't it? I tell you, I mean, the biggest reason is that it's not a very high rate of return. Even if you can figure out how to contact the sellers, even if you can figure out numbers that make sense, even if you can figure out how to get into the house and how to get the house to pass inspection, how to get the house to pass loan requirements. And even then, if you could get all the attorney fees covered and the purchase price, and then you can figure out who can pay commission because seller didn't have any money. So who's going to pay commission on that? It's not typically... I'm going to be completely honest here. It is not typically the best use of a realtor's time. Can you imagine how many hours would go into that? I can't. I know how many hours go into a normal sale. Yeah. And to do all that work up front and you haven't even been inside the house, it just doesn't make a lot of sense for those of us who are kind of a one-person operation and there's only a finite number of hours in the day and very few hours left over at the end for family and, you know, mental health. <laughs> it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, I mean, as a buyer, if you can do a lot of legwork, maybe, but you know, more importantly for many of my buyers, it's just super risky. You know, the, the house has probably not been maintained. I mean, if you can't make a house payment, then you probably can't pay to do maintenance on it. Um, and, and, you know, and again, I say it's going after people who probably feel really low anyways. And I think that's bad karma. Um, the buyer's going to get frustrated in the process, and uh, that's not an experience most realtors want. No, I think a lot of buyers, too, think that, you know, a 30-day 30, 30 or less close is a long time. You know, we're talking, this to me sounds like this is months, because if you're dealing with... Yeah, there's so much uncertainty. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you're up against a lease, I need to be in a place by such and such a date because I'm leasing or I'm trying to sell a house and then buy a house or whatever. These are not the kind of situations you want. Now, if you're an investor and you're savvy and you have the time and you want to do the legwork, it certainly could be an option. Um, But I think it is just such a long shot. I think there are other avenues to go down. Right. The other thing that I wanted to touch on was um, just to not get sucked into the websites that talk about foreclosure listings. This is the secret web- website that your client, your uh, client was talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they usually don't list the street numbers for the properties. They say, oh, there's a pre-foreclosure on such and such a street. And it's usually on such and such a street in a pretty popular neighborhood. But we won't tell you the street number. We're going to make you get a membership to that website. And then we'll tell you what it is. And it's like 100 bucks or something like that that they want to access it. Now, this is all public record. I mean, there are websites you can go to. Um, and if you're interested, if you're local, you know, in Indiana, I can tell you the websites that I use that show sheriff sale information. And it does show the properties that are up for sheriff sale. But these are the ones that have gotten far enough in the process that there's a good chance they might go to sheriff sale. Um, and that can sometimes give you a good idea of what's going to potentially come on the market soon to be uh, ready for it. But um, there are no secrets. If it truly is owned by a bank, they will 
put it out there for everyone to see. And if it's uh, listed as a pre-foreclosure, remember what Zillow says. It's not really for sale. What the heck? I don't get it. Okay. Is that clear? I, I feel like I need to do a little something because I get asked that question so often. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to do like a little video or a little something and just be able to like send it to people. And go, oh, yeah, I get asked this question all the time. Here's what it is. And then maybe they'll believe me and that just it's really keep, not yeah. for sale. You just have to keep putting it back out there for them to yeah. truly absorb that info. Yeah. The way I explained it to my client this morning, I, it, it went well because she goes, I feel really bad for those people. <laughs> so whatever I said, however I said, I'll have to go back and look at that email. However I said, it kind of uh, rallied the appropriate amount of sympathy up. So, All right, let's take another break. And then we're going to talk about how much should you offer when you find the right house. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions, and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Tune in to the Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to the Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You 
You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, we are back. Things we talk about over break. You will be glad that we don't Facebook Live during breaking. We'll never do that. <laughs> All right, make sure you're following us on Facebook, though. We're Deb Tomorrow Realtor. Uh, so, how much should you offer on a home? So, here's my little story. You know, I always have stories about how I came up with this show topic. So, I decided to zone out on, for about an hour on Saturday, which is something I never, ever do. And so I flipped on the TV, which is something I never, ever do. And amazingly, in my house, the channel was already on HGTV. And I was too lazy to figure out how you change the channel because it's always so complicated with all these remotes and stuff. And I'll never use them. So I'm like, I don't know. So uh, there was an episode of Property Brothers on. Uh, and I was so exhausted that even though I had seen it before, I was like, oh, screw it. I will just watch it again. And I got sucked in. And so then that episode ended and there was another episode on that I hadn't seen before. And so I started to watch that. Okay. So here's the story of this episode. These people, this couple had three kids, twins and then an older child. The twins were probably like one or two and then the older child was like four. Okay. So five of them. They were living in a 750 square foot apartment in oh some big goodness. city somewhere. I was able, never able to figure out where it was. Okay. Um, and they wanted to escape the suburbs. Duh. Okay. So the property brother, who's the realtor, I don't know which one that is. I don't either. God. I don't watch that show. <laughs> I know we need to come up with a device, to, a mnemonic device to remember which is which. But anyways, I'm not sure which one that is, but he shows them a few houses and there's Drew. one. Drew, I'm sure. Sorry. Yep. I'm positive. Okay. It's Drew. Uh, he said that, uh, I think less of you because you know that. Um, <laughs> he said that they recently lowered the price from, one point one five million to nine hundred seventy five thousand because it had been on the market for a little while. And he told them he thought fair market value of the house was nine forty. So how much do you think they offered? Probably less than nine forty, right? Yeah. Eight fifty. What? And they literally just lowered the price from like one point one five to nine seventy five. And I thought that, I thought Drew was gonna have a heart attack. It was pretty funny. Like, they show him on the sidewalk after he talks to the clients and they say what they want to offer. And he's just kind of, like, speechless. It was actually pretty comical. Um, and so, of course, that did, offer didn't get any kind of response. <laughs> he had to go back, no, uh, no, no response. Like, not a counter offer or nothing. And so he told them again, fair market value is 940 He said, you know, maybe we could try one nine twenty five, but I, I don't think anything lower than that, you know, we'll get it done. So they thought about it, and they said, okay, we really like this house, so let's offer 875 Wow, okay. Right, okay, so then <laughs> pan the camera over to Drew on the sidewalk, having yet another heart attack, and going, I don't know what these buyers are thinking, and blah, 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 blah. Uh, so again, the seller blew them off, and uh, so they kept looking at houses. Because at the same time, they said, well, we want to offer 875 but we also still want to keep looking at houses. <laughs> Which makes you go, are you really committed to this house, or, Yeah. Uh, so they kept looking at houses, and they finally realized that the first house was for them. So finally, they agree to nine, uh, offer nine twenty five, and then the seller comes back at nine twenty seven five. <laughs> like should have come back at a higher amount just for all the trouble. Probably would have. <laughs> but I thought that was the stupidest counter ever. Twenty five hundred dollars on a nine hundred and whatever thousand dollar house. Whatever, it's ridiculous. But anyways, they accepted it, and then it went on to their uber snooty and uber demanding ways. And so I, I turned the TV off and went and made dinner or something because I was like, okay, I've had enough of these people. But, um, you know, the question is, how do you know how much to offer when you find the right house? 
And I thought, well, that's a good show topic. We should talk about that. Because mm-hmm. uh, I've had some s- situations lately where we've gotten some offers and it's kind of like, um, really, what were you thinking on that? Um, I remember once another realtor telling me, we were sitting at a closing, I think I've told you this before, that uh, they said, how do you know when you have the right price for a house, when you sell it at the right price? When the f- seller feels like it's too little and the buyer feels like it's too much, and I was like, and, and yeah, and it always, I'm like, it kind of makes sense, but it's also kind of depressing because it just means that everybody's sitting at the closing table a little bit pissed off because nobody quite got what they wanted, right? We always talk about how the value of the house is when the seller's willing to sell at a number that the buyer's willing to pay mm-hmm. when those two points cross. But anyways, so how do you go about deciding on an offer price? Before we get into that, I had another really interesting tidbit that kind of has to do with this. I'm all over the place today. But I found this article. I was sort of trying to Google um, different um, pricing strategies and what's going on with home prices in various markets. And one of the things we're going to talk about here in a second is sales price to list price ratio. That's an important number to know for your area. And the overriding theme to knowing what to what price to offer is that you have to listen to the right people if you're seeking advice. Uh, And so you want to seek advice from experts in your area. You know, a lot of people seek advice from people, relatives and friends that don't live in our area, uh, that don't know kind of what our market's doing. And every market is really, really different. So I wanted to talk about an extreme market um, to basically make the point that you have to know what's going on in your market so that you understand the prices. So Berkeley, California Lovely town. My father went to law school there. Um, they Back in December of 2015, so a year and a half ago, 74% of the homes sold for more than asking price. Wow. 74% more than asking price. Uh, in December of 2016, that number was 91%. Oh, my gosh. Right? So what's yep. funny is that the story was called Berkeley ranks number one in Bay Area for home selling above asking price. Somebody in the comment section in the back, I love to read all the comments on these Internet stories because some of them can be really funny. But somebody said, alternate headline, Berkeley real estate agents worst in nation at choosing appropriate listing price. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. But the story goes on to say, like, here's an example of this really lovely home. 1347 Curtis Street sold for 43% over its asking price of 895. Oh 43%. Gosh. So 91% of the homes in December of 2016 were selling for more than list price, but not like $1,000 right. more than list price. Here's one 1963 El Dorado Avenue, a three bedroom, three bath in the heart of North Bray, which went on the market for a million dollars in late October of this past year. Just a few weeks later, in mid-December, the property sold for $1.75 million, 75% above its asking price. And then 1347 Curtis Street, that's the one we're talking about. Yeah, the $895,000, it sold for $1.28 million. That is just insane. Exactly. Um And it's also saying that across uh, in the Bay Area, in San Francisco, about 67% of the homes are selling above list price. So, again, that's making the point that even though they're really, uh, the areas are very close together, um, they're very different. But some of these homes are selling for 150% of list price. And the strategy is they're listing low with the expectation of selling high to intentionally trigger multiple offers. So, it's a strategy. Um, so some people are saying, well, these agents don't know what they're doing. Well, they do. I mean, they're purposely trying to come up with this, you know. Draw a lot it's of traffic. It's marketing strategy. House. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but the, in Berkeley, the median list price is currently at about seven hundred or 979000 
but the median sales price is $1.1 million. So, again, just an example of why you need to understand your local. So we're going to talk global here. Uh, and then if you've got local questions and you're in Bloomington, I'm happy to answer those for you. Um, so the first thing that uh, people recommend you see, especially if you Google online, it says, oh, get a comparative market analysis, a CMA. Typically, that's something that we do for sellers to help us figure out how to price the home. But many sites are going to tell you you should have a CMA done prior to making an offer. Um, and I thought that's kind of interesting. It's you know, a, the technical definition of a CMA is an examination of the prices at which similar properties in the same area recently sold. So whether you have one that's done formally and you kind of kick out a fancy schmancy report with pictures and colors and all that stuff, or you kind of do something a little informally like you know what sold in that neighborhood in the past year, those are good things to look at. Um, you know, you're trying to pick comparable houses. You want to compare, you know, two stories to two stories and ranch homes and ranch homes and that kind of thing and make adjustments based on the condition and upgrades and that sort of thing. But here's the thing. Here's my feeling on CMA. Tell me if this makes sense. Doing a CMA doesn't tell you what you should offer. It tells you how reasonable the seller is. Hmm. That makes sense? It does. Yeah. Doing a CMA, if you're making an offer on a home, it doesn't tell you what number you should offer. It tells you how reasonable the seller is. It's just part of your kind of recon on the seller. I guess in my head, I'm thinking instead of getting like a formal report or whatever is written up whenever that is done, Mm -hmm. I would just take the opinion and the expertise of my realtor that's representing me to say, hey, I I think I'd like to offer X, Y, Z. What have houses been selling for in that area? And then if I trust you, then you're going to say pretty much what this market analysis would say. I mean, most of us, if you've got a good, experienced realtor, they can kind of do that market analysis in their head. Mm -hmm. As they're walking through the house, they're doing that. They're going, okay, I know I saw this house down the street and I saw that house down the street. How does this compare? And I know those sold for this much. And it's done by the time you walk out the door, basically, Mm -hmm. unless you want something informal. But all that's doing is telling us, is this seller reasonable or do they think their house is the best house in the entire planet? And they're being, you know, they're way out of whack with what, you know, everyone else would probably say is reasonable. Um, I hear buyers say this all the time, and it, I, I don't know how to answer it. They say, well, that house is overpriced. You know, the, the market analysis or the comps in the neighborhood say it's overpriced, so the sellers need to come down. Well, there's no, like, CMA police <laughs> that goes around and says, mm, no, you're, you know, like speeding or something. You, you're, you're asking too much for your house. You have to take a lower number. No. Seller wants what a seller wants. You can't make anyone take a, a, a lower number. You can't make anyone, you know, be reasonable if they're not reasonable. That's when you go back to whatever that other agent said to you in a closing. That yeah. you know that you know what the price is is good. Whenever your your buyer is upset that they paid <laughs> your buyer's mad, your seller's <laughs> mad. You got it. Good job, realtor. Um, so anyways, that's my opinion on CMA. Certainly there is value in looking at that. We don't want to waste time if you, you know, if you're getting a mortgage and we know the house isn't going to appraise because you're paying twice what it's worth. I don't know how these deals are going in Berkeley except probably uh, cash. cash. I think a lot of them are cash, to be honest with you. Um, so 
Yeah, CMA. Um, when we come back from break, I want to talk about lowball offers because I've got a great uh, little article that goes through um, the do's and don'ts of lowball. So we'll go through that because that's something people always want to do too. Uh, so stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to RealRealEstateToday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions, and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit RealRealEstateToday.com. What makes a great leader? Most have a vision, one that starts beyond the resources available and continues from that point into developing a solid plan, organization, and company. Leadership issues are discussed each week on VoltCast, illuminating leadership with host Jeff Smith. Jeff has years of experience as a leader and executive coach, and his guests will bring you information that can help a team of any size. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Why do some people seemingly make the same mistakes when it comes to love and relationships? What is the best way to find love? Make a visit each week to Destination Love. Host Shelley Pumphrey will bring what you need to know to find love. No, it's not about the next fad, dating site tips, scoring the first date, or looking your best. Rather, it's empowerment, knowing that your authentic self works best and the science behind finding love. Destination Love is live Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, welcome back. We are talking about how much should you offer when you find the home of your dreams. And I want to talk briefly about lowball offers because people say all the time, what's the worst they can do? They'll just counter back, right? And then they get shocked when the seller doesn't counter back. Because no, again, there's no offer police that says the sellers have to counter back. They right. do not have to. Um, and, you know, more importantly, uh, you know, if you decide you want to resubmit an offer, like the people on the Property Brothers did, mm-hmm. Seller probably thinks you're an ass by now. <laughs> They're offended. And it's not a great way for you to get what you want, especially because you still have inspections and things like that to, to go through. Um, so I found this great article, and I swear as I was reading it, I was like, I don't know who this person is, Elizabeth Weintraub, but I kind of love her. And I kind of want to buy her lunch because she's very much in tune with um, what I what I believe. So she's, uh, here are some common mistakes when making, when buyers make a lowball offer. They low, low, they make a lowball offer because they can't afford to pay more. You can't make that the seller's problem. Right. 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 Uh, or they make a lowball offer because they're paying cash. 
I mean, in the end, it's all cash to the seller. They don't really care. And, you know, if you come in with like, a, I want 10% lower than anybody else because I'm paying cash, guess what? They think you're an ass. So that's probably not going to help your situation either. Um, but one of the points that she makes over and over again in her article is walking away. Uh, she says, uh, one of the biggest mistakes you can make is walk away after a lowball offer. Some buyers get their knickers in a twist and walk away when the sellers counter the offer at more than the buyer was prepared to pay. Maybe the counter price was at list pro- counter offer was at list price, maybe less. It doesn't matter. The point is that the doors have been open for negotiations. Only the inexperienced or truly stupid walk away. That's what she says. I always tell my clients, don't you be the one to have regret. Let the other one have regrets. Don't you be the one to have regrets. So keep on going. And she says that several other times. And here are some of her strategies for winning the lowball offer. She says, first, find out the seller's motivation. Certainly, we talk about it all all the time. Stalking them on social media is a good way to do that. Write a clean offer. uh, Dot your I's, cross your T's. Don't ask for items that oppose local custom. I love that. That's so important. Um, Shorten inspection periods, reduce and waive contingencies, submit a lender pre-approval letter. These are all things that will strengthen your offer. Uh, Always counter the counter offer. Again, she says, until until they turn off the lights and close up the bar, you keep dancing. Um, move attention away from the price. There are many other considerations other than price. It's smart to change tactics and ask for other concessions such as closing cost credits, repair credits, um, uh, larger escrow t- periods of time, or focus on tangible goods such as uh, furniture appliances. You know my favorite story about negotiating in some Michael Jordan posters. Yes. I Got the deal done, man. Um, and give a logical reason why your lowball offer is, a f- is fair. Now, this one kind of drives me crazy, but she says, don't insult the agent by handing over a list of comparable sales that's true I've had agents do that and here was the the thought process I had this happen to me last year she sends me uh, and it was an agent who you know does three transactions a year or two and it's like really okay you're going to tell me why our price is wrong going to hand me comps which I'm now insulted about because I'm thinking you're telling me I don't know how to do my job and price the house correctly and then what happened was we got another a second offer and we could have done multiple offers and asked everybody to bring their highest and best. But my sellers went, well, these people have already shown us what they think the house is worth. They're probably not going to come up any. Mm-hmm. So we went with offer number two. And when I explained that to offer number one, she was like, why didn't you ask us for our highest and best? And I said, because you made it clear what you thought the house was worth. <laughs> I, you know, And why, who would pay more than if they really thought that was well? So they kind of bit themselves in the ass. So uh, be careful about that. But this is a really good offer. We're going to put this up on the Facebook page because I really would encourage anyone who's thinking about making lowball offers to think through the things that she had and Elizabeth Weintraub if you're ever in Bloomington, Indiana call me and I will take you out for a drink or something because that was a good article Uh, one of the other things that you want to consider uh, when deciding how much to offer is um, what's a typical sales price versus list price ratio which we kind of talked about a little bit in Berkeley Um, so that's the final sales price divided by the last list price expressed as a percentage uh, for you math wizards out there so for example um, oh I have notes but don't I I took some last minute notes as I was running out of the house. I wrote them on a scrap of paper and I stuck them in my bra so I wouldn't lose them. (laughs) And I just remember that's where they are. Okay. Um, So the California Association of Realtors has just come out with numbers for California for the state that says their average uh, sales price to list price ratio is 100%. So they're pretty much dead on. But now think about it. You've got this whole market up here in San Francisco that's paying 150%. So there are some markets that are paying a lot less for that to kind of average out to 100. 
So you need to know what your local market is. In Indiana, we're about 95.5% as a sales price to list price. In Monroe County, we're at about 97.6%. So we're a little bit higher than the rest of Indiana. Uh, I was just Googling other random states and picked South Dakota for some reason. Um, and they can't, came up with 92% is what their number is. And there are going to be states that are a lot lower and there are going to be states that are a lot higher. So my point is know what it is for your location. Don't, um, you know, Uncle Eddie lives in Vegas. Don't. Don't take his word for it. Um, So here are some factors that you should consider when making an offer. Um, So the sales price to list price ratio, like I said, I think that's kind of a number one really important and useful information. But other things you should take into account. Days on the market. So first day a house is on the market, don't offer less than list price. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to happen. 30 days on the market, yeah, you got a little more negotiating room. Two years on the market, do whatever you want have at it right those poor people i know those poor people but it does make a big difference um competition are there multiple offers i'm always amazed at the people who offer less than list price when they're in a multiple offer situation like come on no you know mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Uh, and if there's lots of showings remember if you lowball and you give uh, you're going to be going back and forth for a while it's going to take you a few days to do that you're giving more people the opportunity to get into the house to see it to love it to make an offer that then drives you into a multiple offer situation that drives the price up so, uh, you know, think about that, too. Uh, seller motivation, we've talked about that. Often you don't know, but you can certainly try to investigate if it's a divorce, an estate sale. Are they making two mortgage payments? Are they relocating with a job transfer? You know, you'd think, oh, they're relocating. The house is empty. The job transfer. And they may not care because if they got relocation benefits through the company that they work with, the relocation company is going to, they foot the bill on a lot of that stuff and they guarantee a price on the house. So, you may not have as much negotiating room as you think you would have on that. Um, the condition is definitely something you want to take into account. Um, and I hear this one a lot too. Well, they need to come down $30,000 in price due to the condition um, because, you know, this and this and this needs to be done. And so I need to subtract it off the price. Well, honestly, a good listing agent is going to take that into account when they list the house. So you have to kind of figure out have they already uh, taking that into account. This might be a time for where a CMA comes into play um, and understanding, you know, what the values are in that neighborhood. And then how clean the offer is. Uh, and I think Elizabeth Weintraub's article uh, alluded to that too. Uh, if you're muddling your offer up with a contingency on selling another home or closing cost assistance or a carpet allowance or you're asking for appliances that they're not intending on including or you want, I had one a couple weeks ago. They came in and they wanted like a, Mm, 60, 75 day closing. For what? From, for what? For, I mean, to close on a house. Okay. So they wanted, so they made an offer on one of my listings. They made an offer that was, oh gosh, the house had been on the market for one day, two days maybe. And uh, the offer was like 10% below list price. So significantly lower than list price. And they wanted to close a longer time like frame, two, three yeah. months out. That's not going to, that's going to cost you if you want that kind of closing time period. Because think about it. I, I tried to explain to the agent. I said, well, my seller's got to move lawn, got to pay the utilities, got to keep paying property taxes, got to keep making house payments. Mm-hmm. That's got to be worth something 
So, you know, you give me an offer that's a couple thousand above a list price and, you know, maybe we can make that work. Uh, if you've got weird financing, out-of-town lenders, that kind of thing, um, these things are going to cost you. So, it, and it may be worth it to you to pay a little bit more to get those things. You have to kind of weigh that out. Uh, and the final most important thing in uh, in kind of weighing what, you know, how you should, how much you should offer is how much do you want the home? Mm-hmm. You know, is this the right home? And I guess the question that I, I put to people all the time is, you know, if you pay another $1,000 on this home, is that going to change your life? Are you on your deathbed having regrets? Probably not. Probably not. All right. So there you go. Anything you need to know about how to uh, make a, a good solid offer on a home. So I wish everybody the best of luck as they use that information out there in the real world. Um, be sure to tune in. We are 4th of July next week. Happy 4th of July, everyone. And then we'll be back on the 11th with another live show. Um, and we're having an insurance agent visiting us that show. So that should be pretty good. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we will be back real soon to talk to you more on Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Real Real Estate Today. Please join your host, Deb, tomorrow for another edition every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week, take care of your home. It's one of your most important assets.